be talking about um, love. But the idea is, I don't know in your family if regifting is frowned upon, if it's, uh, you know, but basically regifting is when somebody gives you a gift and then you um, don't, like you open it and maybe you don't like it. Uh, and then you give it to someone else, or maybe it's your third one, and so you don't need it, so you give it to someone else. So in, in my family, uh, re-gifting is celebrated because it saves me money. Um, I'm sorry. For me, it's celebrated. But in other families, it's like, that is the tackiest thing you can do, right? Okay, here's the thing. This hope and this peace and this joy and this love, God, it says, he's lavished upon us. We, we couldn't possibly use all the hope we get, all the peace we have. The Bible says the peace we get from God, it's mind-blowing, essentially. It, it surpasses all comprehension. It, it just doesn't make any sense. That's how much peace we get. The joy, uh, in Hebrews it says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. Like he was a joyful person. I, I, there's one Jesus film, I don't know which one it is, but like Jesus is portrayed as like Norwegian, uh, with like long hair and, and blue eyes. And, and he's, it's like he's like a robot. And I'm like, man, I hope that Jesus isn't in me. Like that isn't the Jesus I want, like controlling my life, right? Well, fortunately, it's not that Jesus, okay? That, it's not a boring Jesus. It's not an unhappy Jesus. It's not a Jesus that's about ready to turn around any second and, you know, through blue eyes, like, you know, laser you or whatever. It's, he says it's, he's anointed with the oil of joy. Why? Because of the relationship he has with his heavenly father. And this morning, we're going to talk about love. And what I've done is I've asked my son, Jesse, uh, to come up here. And uh, I, I want to get you inside the mind of an 11-year-old boy. Um, this is all, yeah, some of you are already there. Um, uh, <coughs> hey, uh, so I'm going to ask him some questions, and, and then later on, we're going to tie this all together. It's not just because I didn't have sermon material. It, it's actually is going to a point. So, uh, hello, Jesse. How are you? Good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm just going to ask you some questions. Okay. Okay. Um, what's your favorite food? Bacon. Bacon, yes. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Mm. Let's just take a moment to pause. Thank the Lord. <laughs> for all, all pork products that we're free to partake now under the blood of the lamb. Okay, um, okay. Uh, what do you like to do during the day? What's some of your favorite things to do during a normal 11-year-old boy's day? What do you like to do? Play video games. Play video games? Which ones? Tony Hawk Underground 2. Okay, Tony Hawk Underground. I don't know whose parents would allow them to. Blood off or blood on? Blood on. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, okay, you like your Legos, right? Yes. Yep, I've seen, there's, I've seen them. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. Um, oh, I wrote some down here. Uh, okay. What's your favorite subject in school? Math. What makes you laugh? Don't answer that. We talked about it last night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. What's, what, if you could play any sport in the world, what would it be? Um, basketball. Basketball. Okay, good, good. Hey, thanks for joining us up here. Oh, do you like SpongeBob? Yes. Okay, good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> 
I wanted to uh, I wanted to get you in the mind of a uh, of an 11 year old boy, and we'll 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 see why in just a little bit. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter three, I'm going to read a story about a a guy who meets Jesus, and they have this conversation, and for both of them, it's it's pretty um, frustrating, I guess. They're, one of them's trying to understand Jesus, and Jesus is trying to be understood. And, and um, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put all these verses up uh, behind me. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's say this prayer together, this prayer of love. We'll do this as a, as a congregation. Heavenly Father, teach us to love. May we always remember to put you first as we follow Christ's footsteps, that we may know your love and show it in our lives. As we prepare for our celebration of Jesus' birth, also fill our hearts with love for the world, that all may know your love and the one whom you have sent, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now let me just stop right there and kind of explain what's going on. Um, uh, The Jewish ruling council, Israel is occupied by Rome at this time. And um, what Caesar did was he set up governors all throughout uh, Israel. And those governors' jobs, those governors' job, their job was to keep things quiet. Caesar didn't want any unrest. He didn't want to revolt. He wanted to kind of squash those people. And so what, he, what the governors did is they made up these Jewish ruling councils, and they would be the go-between between the governor and the people. So the Jewish, there was the Jewish people. If they had a problem with the governor, if they wanted to register a complaint, if they had an issue, they would go to the Jewish ruling council. They would package it all nice. They understood the governor. Then they'd go bring it to the governor and vice versa. If the governor had something to do with the people, he'd go through this Jewish ruling council and, and they would in, were enriching themselves with the, with the riches of the governorship. And the governor looks good to Caesar because everything's quiet, Okay. Now, Jesus comes along, and they're starting to get to be a little bit of stuff stirred up. So Nicodemus has this dilemma. Because as you'll see throughout all of John, Nicodemus, he thinks Jesus might be the Messiah. And he was thinking that this Messiah, if we played our cards right, would come and take over Rome, and we would be back to the way things were supposed to be where you've got God ruling his people, his people worshiping God in the land that God had provided for them. So Nicodemus comes as part of this Jewish ruling council. Okay, in verse two, he came to Jesus at night. Okay. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now, check out Jesus' reply, because Jesus doesn't go, oh, you you notice some of the signs. Uh, Oh, wow, thanks. Hey, good good idea to come at night. Jesus comes almost like he's interrupting Nicodemus, or or, or he just had something on his mind, okay? I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. But Nicodemus didn't say anything about that. Nicodemus just came at night and said, hey, you know what? I, we understand you're from God because of these ruling classes. And it's as though Jesus were going, yeah, I, 
I know what you're thinking, but you will not see that kingdom unless you're born again. Now, we, we're getting into this thing where you've got Nicodemus on the one hand and Jesus on the other, and they're trying to understand each other. And it's going to give us insight as we go on to why the gospel is the way it is. Why did Jesus have to come? Why, why did he die on a cross? Why is, are my sins so bad that, that I'm destined to eternity without God? without Jesus. Like, see, if you're honest with yourself, the gospel, the gospel's weird. It doesn't make sense. The, the, the Bible actually, even the Bible says it's foolishness. It's like if I were to come up with a, with a, with a, with a way to be saved, I, I wouldn't pick this. I wouldn't pick Jesus coming as a baby. I'd, I'd, I'd have God make another planet called the Salvation Planet or something. I've thought it all out. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. And so, and so this is where Nicodemus is. He, he's coming and he's going, hey, we know you're from God. Maybe we should talk about how this is going to go down. And it's like Jesus goes, look, I know where you're going with this, but you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And he, and he says three words in the beginning that we're really going to be focusing on this morning that you can underline in your Bible if you want because it's very, very important. He says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Did I say three words? Yeah, because that's, does he carry the four over? Five words. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Here's, here's what we're going to begin to see this morning. You don't have to understand something. You don't have to agree with something. You don't have to have it all figured out for it to be true. See, oftentimes what we want to do is we want to get all our T's crossed, all our I's dotted. We want to be able to understand, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. And then, oh, okay, you know what? I validate it as truth. And here's what Jesus is doing that we're going to see this morning. He comes in and he says, I tell you the truth. You might not understand it. You might not agree with it. It might totally rock your world. It might completely shake things up. You might be able to go, man, that just doesn't sound right. But it is the truth. And this is where Jesus is talking about the gospel, the kingdom of God. Okay? And so he says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, Nicodemus, who is just coming to talk about the kingdom, says, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked, surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. See, I, I was listening to uh, one of my favorite pastors I like to listen to is Andy Stanley. And he was saying, and I think he was dead on, we need to be able to separate the truth something that's true and something that we understand. Even though it doesn't make any sense or it's unfair. I mean, if you think about the gospel, the gospel's kind of unfair. Like if we were gonna, if we were gonna decide amongst ourselves what a good, like what a good salvation thing would be. Like for me, let's say you kill a whole bunch of people and you rob and you take my house and you 
you know, do stuff to my family and all this kind of stuff. And then like, right before you die, you ask for forgiveness and you get to spend eternity with God. Uh Uh-uh. Not if I'm doing the gospel. That's, that seems unfair. Like, like we'd all kind of go, well, there should be a threshold that like when you kind of reach that much sin, you're, you're out, right? It just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair the other way. That there could be people who hear the gospel, they reject Jesus, but they're trying to do the best they can and they miss God for all eternity. That doesn't, that doesn't seem fair, right? And, and here, here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. And this is why I love what, what, what Annie Stanley was saying. You can separate those two. Something can seem weird, seem unfair, seem like you can't understand it, and still be true. And for some of you, you've been going through this process of trying to understand the kingdom of God, trying to understand, when I get, when I understand this about, you know, why is there so much pain in the world and why is this going on? When I get all that down, then I'll believe it. It doesn't make it any less true. Okay, so Jesus comes and he says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. See, even Jesus understands this. He, 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 it's like he's going, look, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to use a word picture about the wind. You see the wind, again, back in, back in that day, right now, see, we're arrogant. We have Discovery Channel. So we think we understand the wind. You know, it's a high pressure, low pressure, and all this kind of stuff. To be honest, I've watched the Discovery Channel, and I still don't really understand wind. Like, just it, it kicks up, and you just don't know. I was watching Planet Earth last night w- with the girls, and, and there's this wind that comes in the desert, and it picks up sand, and it carries it halfway around the globe to fertilize another part of the world. Nah. I don't understand it, so it can't be true. I don't understand it, but they... It's there. I mean, we, we see on when the weatherman comes and we see kind of the, you know, the cloud that goes, you know, and we go, oh, I understand the wind. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the guy with the tan who tell, talks about where everything's going. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, and it's like, now, oh, I do understand. It. I, I'll, st- yeah, yeah, the wind, the wind. Jesus wasn't talking to Nicodemus, didn't have a tan guy to watch on television. There was no cloud with the little wind blowing. There wasn't pressure systems over here. And you know how they do that? I don't know why they do that. It's like in the pressure system, you know, he didn't have any of that. All he knew is that sometimes he'd walk down the road and the wind would blow his robe up and he'd be like, whoa, whoa, you know, trying to keep it down. It's like, no, you don't understand where it's coming from. But Nicodemus, it's like this. You don't get the wind, but you still believe it, right? It's still true, right? This is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. I'm going to let you in on something that's true, but hard to understand. I'll give you an example. This uh, picture here. <clears throat> yeah. That is true. 
Yeah, fantastic, right? You go ahead and figure it out, right? It's true. I'm telling you, it's true, right? I don't even know what half those symbols are, okay? Does that make it any less true? I don't understand it. If I did a formula, it wouldn't look anything like this. I, I would I would have, oh yeah, well there's the mistake. Sorry, how embarrassing. No, I, I, I don't even know what that is. Well, I do know what it is because I'm the one who looked it up on the internet, okay? It's true, but I don't understand it. See, here's the thing about the gospel. Let me just tell you the gospel in a nutshell. You can take that off, just put it to black screen. Here's the thing about the gospel. God wants to have a relationship with us, okay? And he created a system that was actually really fair. There was, he created one man and one woman. He let them loose in the garden. He had a relationship with them. He'd walk in the garden in the cool of the evening. He gave them things to do. They worked, but there was no toil. It was, it was, they were just able to create. They were, it was, they got to name the animals and do all this kind of stuff. And he said, he said, there's just one little thing you can't do. One thing you can't do. You can't eat of the tree. The tree was well lit. Like there was no question. It's like, well, which tree? Oh, it's in the forest somewhere. Just make sure no it was like let this tree they both knew that's the tree don't eat from that tree very fair you you have a relationship with me great garden great stuff the plants grow you don't you get to garden and it doesn't feel like a chore like it does now uh you know all is fair and they blew it See, even when the system, if we sat down and we all decided together, somehow we could decide what's fair, and we said, you know what, this is fair, every single one of us would blow it, no matter how much we try to give ourselves fair, fair, fair. This is the gospel. So they blew it. And when they blew it, sin happened. And once sin happened, there's no more fair. Sin was always there, always making decay, always messing with our minds, always doing all these things. And so what happened was we, there had to be a payment for that. See, what, what happens is with God's mercy, he allows things to go on longer than maybe you or I would allow it to go. Some of you are in painful relationships, painful situations or whatever. Some of you have, are in lives of sin and everything seems to be actually be going pretty good. God in his mercy has allowed this to happen. But in his justice, there has to be a payment for it. There has to be. And our understanding, the reason we get kind of twisted in it all is because we miss how holy God is. How eternal God is. It's impossible for us to wrap our minds around it. Is it true? Yes, it's true. You mean I can sin one little sin, one little white lie, and that separates me from God eternally? Yes. Because he's ultimately holy. Separates him with me eternally? Yes, because he's an eternal being. A sin is an eternal sin. And so here's the problem. We have a merciful God who allows it to go on, but we also have a just God that has to have a payment for this sin. So uh, 
in 2007, on October 21st, there was the Buckweed Fire in California. It burned 37, uh, 38,000 um, acres, okay? It destroyed 21 homes, 22 other structures. 15,000 people had to be evacuated. To fight the fire cost California $2.9 million. Just an unbelievable, just ravaged a huge area. As a matter of fact, let me just kind of give you an idea. If you lit that fire over at Chapman and Valley View, you would burn the entire city of Garden Grove in it, all its borders, all the way to Harbor or wherever, wherever Garden Grove ends. Garden Grove's a weird, it, it like does this thing. It's like, what idiot plant? I mean, what happened to squares? You know, I mean, we can't just do squares? Anyway, um, government. Okay, so, um, so, so imagine you burn from there and it burns all of Garden Grove. But it doesn't stop. It burns a whole nother Garden Grove, right? And then it burns a whole nother Garden Grove and then burns point two of Garden Grove. <laughs> okay, so three Point two garden groves is what this uh, the ca- the the devastation was incredible i mean insane now and then it burned twenty one homes now I want you know it, sometimes it's hard to wrap our head around this, but let's just pick one home, your home it burned your home, and so that means that all those pictures, all those memories. All those, you know, anybody have a birthday plate in their home? You know, every year the person whose birthday it is gets the birthday plate? Okay. Um, Well, Christians have a birthday. No, I'm just, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, to be honest, we don't have a birthday plate. Okay, so so here's, so get off me. it's birthday plate. A lot of families have a birthday plate. And it, it just, every time you, it's your birthday, it just conjures up all these memories, all these things. Or, or maybe there's a hutch or something that's been in the family for five generations and it's gone. And maybe there was a pet that it was dearly loved and it's dead now. <laughs> or maybe some people died. Oh, yeah, whatever. But not the puppy. Okay. Right. Okay. Great. So you understand. You begin to understand. It's your house that burns down. And then now, your house is burned down. And so you've you, you got to go to the insurance thing. And hopefully, you know, they, they don't uh, take too long. And you've got to get a new house. And I mean, that was one house. That 21 of them were burned. And 15,000 people were evacuated. It means you're scared. You get, get everybody all, all together. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal devastation. That fire was started by that 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy we just saw. Well, not Jesse. (laughs) And we've been in hiding ever since. No, right? It's like, like, get him! No, I was kidding. Into the baptismal. Uh, Okay. So so now now here's, here's, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to do. Explain to this kid what he's done. Get get him to understand the pain. Get him to understand the enormity. Get him, I mean, do you really, I mean, 
Look, look at the, look at the, he can't. He's coming from a totally different mental place, right? I mean, basically, you're, you know, you're like, you tell him, you tell him, you tell him, and he's looking at you like, so am I in trouble? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, are you in trouble? Don't you understand what you've done? Somebody has to pay for what you've done. Now, maybe it's an insurance company in which everyone goes, ah, oh, whatever. But what if they didn't have insurance? What if that family just, they, they, they missed a couple payments. Things were getting hard. They, oh, we'll never have a fire. And they've lost everything. Somebody has to pay. But how do you get that kid to go, oh, man. See, here's the thing. The devastation happened. It's true. It, 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 there's, there's huge ramifications. But you can't explain it to him. And somebody has to pay. And so here's this kid. And so if we sat down and we said, well, what are we going to do with the kid? And we all tried to come up with what was fair. We'd all have different things, you know. One, I'd say, you know what? I think we need to, I think it needs to be put away for life. And we videotape it and every day we show the videotape and the kids can get on YouTube and see, I never want to play with matches. You think, well, some of you would go, that's not fair. What's he going to do? He's 10 years old. Let him go. Other people say, well, his parents. <laughs> that's what you guys were thinking, weren't you? Bad parenting. They should pay. How are the parents going to pay? What are they going to do? Get a second job? I mean, just the state of California was $2.9 million to fight that thing. I mean, he can't pay. As a matter of fact, the state of California... Uh, the, this started right by this, um, this ministry kind of organization that works with handicapped kids. And they let them ride horses and it helps their therapy. And, and, uh, and so it was one of the employee's son that started it. But it, was, it had nothing to do with, with it. It was off their property. He was just playing with matches and it started. Well, the state of California went after the organization that helps handicapped kids because California is a very well-run, uh, well-oiled machine. Um, <laughs> and so I wrote, I wrote down what, what, um, what Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's our governor, <clears throat> hey, you pray for your leaders. He says, if I were one of the, no, okay, he says, <laughs> he says, if I were one of the people who started the fires, I would not sleep soundly right now because we're right behind you. Right now, knowing how well the state of California is run, I'll bet they slept very soundly, actually, because they're like, I think he's over here. You know, who knows? <laughs> but see what it, what he was saying behind there is somebody has to pay. So they go after the organization that helps the handicapped kids because it, it just you've got we've got to do something. Right. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The payment the devastation is too much. The payment's too high. Now, if you could just somehow in your mind's eye transform yourself to a holy God and the kingdom of God 
And, 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 and God in his infinite, I mean, you have men of God, Moses and John, men of God who, who just got a glimpse of him and just fell to their face and just, I, I don't, I'm going to die. You're going to kill me. And that was a peep of his glory. What we've done in our sin cannot be paid back. So you've got mercy on the one hand of God who just allows things to go on even when we should, I mean, it should be we come out of the womb and, you know, done. I mean, that's what we deserve. He allows it to go on. He allows it to go on. And, and, but his justice says, I'm going, I, I can't look the other way from the sin. And then his grace says, I'm going to pay. Now, now check this out. Let's go back to the 11-year-old kid. This is the thing that Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus, okay? He's going, imagine Jesse lights the fire, the 21 families, the birthday plates, the the puppies, all all that kind of stuff. And I go to Jesse and I go, hey, it's paid. You're free. Jesse can't understand that. I mean, he's excited. He's happy, but, but he can't understand the enormity of what, how he's been set free. This is where Jesus is with Nicodemus, okay? So watch. Uh, where am I? John? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I lost my glasses, and um, now I'm blind. Uh, let's see. Yeah. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. He says, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth. You don't understand it? Doesn't matter. I'm telling you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify of what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak about heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now we're starting to get a hint of what's going on. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now Nicodemus just knew this story backwards and forwards. The the Israelites are in the desert. Moses is with them. There's a plague. They get bit. They get get sick. They get... Uh, Moses takes this um, staff. They put a snake on the end of it, an image of a snake. They put it in. They say, if you just look at it, you'll live. Isn't that weird? It's true. You might not believe it. It might not be the thing I would do. I would have used a Band-Aid or something else. But hey, you use that. It's still true. And so he's going, Nicodemus, it's like this, man. It's like that snake in the desert. What, that didn't make any sense. Wasn't that a trip? It's like that. Only this time it's the son of man who will be lifted up. And then, then he just kind of opens up the heart of God. He's like, I know you don't understand it. I know it's earthly. I, 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 we're talking about spiritual things. There's a payment you can't even begin to understand. The kingdom of heaven doesn't look anything like that. But let me, let me just open up that love, that, that part of God, that, the heart of God that, that, that I can see fully. And he says this, for God, this is Jesus talking. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Somebody has to pay. It's an eternal God. So every sin is an eternal sin. And the only person who can pay that price is somebody who's eternal, somebody who's perfect. And Jesus Christ is basically foreshadowing his own death. You know what's weird? I've been a Christian for since I was 14 or 15, so t- t- 20 years. <clears throat> and go back, go back to that formula. No, I'm kidding, uh, right? No. Uh, so, yeah, so f- 15K, yeah, for a long time. Uh, do you know, it shocked me that Jesus said that. I- I've known John 3.16, I memorized it, it was one of the first, me- but I didn't realize Jesus was the one who said it. Now, all of you can look at me and go, you didn't? I, I don't know why. I, I just thought John wrote it. I don't, I don't, it's always been in red. I mean, it's color coded for crying out loud. But for some reason, I didn't mean, now, now check this out. So for you, this might not be as big a revelation as it was for me. But Jesus is saying, oh man, I know you don't understand it. And I know I'm speaking in terms. I'm just trying to let you get the enormity of, of what you've done. And I, I, you, don't, you don't get it. But listen, I, I get it. And here's the thing. God, the Father, loved the world so much that he's going to pay the price. And it's me that's going to pay it didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That may not seem fair. All you have to do is believe, and then those who don't believe, I mean, what, what, what? It's true. This is what God set up. This is the good news. This is the gospel. We sinned against an eternal God. And so it's an eternal sin. And because of his justice, there has to be a payment. And the only one who fulfills the qualifications is Jesus Christ. Phenomenal. He goes on. And imagine now the, the, the 10-year-old boy is standing in front of the judge. Okay? And everybody's upset and everybody's lost their home and everybody's there. And the judge slams his gavel down with the verdict, right? This is kind of what Jesus is, is, is painting to Nicodemus. He says this, this is the verdict. Okay, here it is. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You go, evil, that's kind of a strong word. Relative to us, maybe what we do isn't that evil. Relative to God and his eternity and his holiness, evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Hates? We don't hate. Doesn't make sense, but it's true. And we'll not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God.